Please be advised that in order to foster quality discussions in each episode, we will spoil the stories in each game and text we talk about. Good news is, 90% of the titles we cover are old enough that many of you might already know all about them. That said, we do encourage you to play and read before listening. I got another rejection just before we got on. Was it a good one? No. I mean, I, I mean, I, all rejections are bad, but some are better <laughs> than others. Some of them actually are personal. It was from The Journal. The that, Journal. The uh, Journal? Yeah, The Journal. T-H-E Journal. Journal. Okay. Uh, I only submitted to that place because... Uh, like in back in February, I googled a bunch of places that respond quickly. Here we are in uh, August. Yeah. And uh, you know, like six seven months later, and nothing. And I'm up to eighty eight rejections so far. Eighty eight mm. for the year. And for all of you, if we haven't mentioned this already, which you probably have, but for all of you who aren't familiar with submitting your writing, uh, it sucks. Yep, and you spend a lot of money. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of free ones, but there's a lot of not free ones. You end up spending three dollars like fifty times a month, and uh, submitting is difficult. Yeah, so a lot of rejections. Basically, in order to improve your chances of getting a decent number of your stuff accepted into publications, you have to submit like all the time, and something that I found online. That I think a lot of people do. I'm not really sure, but I ended up setting a rejection goal for the year instead of an acceptance goal because acceptance goals end up just discouraging you further. And uh, so I had an ex- a rejection goal of 100 rejections for the year. Um, for the year. I'm in August and I'm already at 88. <laughs> I'm at 69 myself. That's a good number. You know, at least you're not in the awkward position I uh, was put in this morning. When I got an email for an editor for one of the places I've submitted to wants to be on my podcast, and I don't think they're aware that I've submitted to them. <laughs> and it was a very terrible story I submitted, but it, I'm not going to name them on here, but their their name is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> like <laughs> It's kind of a goofy name for a, a literary magazine. But that's not even the awkward part. The awkward part is that on my, I don't know when this episode is going to drop, but as of the recording of this, I recorded my podcast yesterday, the Drunken Penwriting Podcast, and in the intro, we spent 11 minutes just <laughs> shitting on literary magazines and saying how nobody reads them, and I'm not going to submit to that many anymore. I'm going to stick to, like, contest and, like, anthologies yeah. and things like that, or ones that have specific editors that you can submit to versus just a team, and then I get this fucking... <laughs> nice long email about how they want to be they want to work with drunken pen writing and be on the podcast and all this stuff I'm like oh now do i have them on the podcast and like i would i would have to just bring it up like hey i think literary magazines kind of suck now so why should we read yours <laughs> like, don't reject my story or i'm not going to air this episode i don't know how your letters usually go like that when they ask you to be on there but that seemed fairly professional it's kind of interesting i get a I would... lot of those and it's usually somebody's oh, agent 
yeah, I get a lot of talent agents because believe it or not, I get a lot of actors I've never heard of and comic book creators. And usually I just I say, no, I, I'm not interested because it's honestly a lot of the times with the products just not it doesn't fit with what we talk about or I just don't care. And usually from experience, those conversations go well, they're boring. Nobody nobody listens to those episodes. They don't get downloads. So I don't I usually don't accept a lot of those. This one I might because I'm actually interested to see somebody that's running what seems to be a somewhat popular journal. I want to see, you know, the inner workings, if I can, from the actual editor. I'm like, hey, how do you go about the submission progress? Am I wrong in thinking that you guys don't read a lot of this stuff or you have slush piles that you just kind of have interns go through? Like, I want to get through the process a little bit. But at the same time, I'm like, I submitted to you. Now, are you going to feel obligated to accept my work or are you going to reject me? And then I'm like, why had you on my fucking show? And he rejected me. (laughs) But admittedly, the story I submitted is not really good. But the re- another reason I submitted is because this journal, they publish like avant-garde stuff and I guess out-of-the-box stuff. And my story, which isn't even really a story from what I remember, is weird and just like more about the writing style, I think. So I don't know. I think that's the only reason I submitted to them. But it's uh, it puts me in a weird predicament here because I don't know if I should have that person on or not. I think you should do it. It would be interesting to ask about that kind of that kind of stuff because we're always just speculating all the time whenever we're we're submitting to these places. Like, this is probably going to go nowhere. Or like yeah. five months in, we're like, "Welp, that's that." Like, even if that you get a response, it's probably going to be a bad one at that point. I just, I mean, I've never, I don't think I've waited six months for a response and gotten a good response so far. No, so. and I think. I don't remember if it was on here we discussed this before or on my podcast or just in my drunken ramblings to myself while I cry in the bathtub at night. I don't know exactly what it was, but I do remember at some point discussing like the difficulty of submitting and then how you can submit to a place as soon as their submissions open. And then it seems like they just wait until the slush pile period where they clear out their slush pile to get back to you and just reject you like form rejection. So if you're getting in these forum rejections at the slush time when you submitted, like right when they open, like you could be the first person to submit and you get you have to wait till the six month slush pile later. It's like, why? What's the point? Right. Why am I paying money for this just to get like if it was a somewhat personal rejection or if they even say my name at least. But a lot of times anymore, it's just like, oh, dear author, your work was not good. Have luck publishing elsewhere the team like oh right that's basically all i get all the time i have had a few acceptances though you've had more than me oh real quick i wanted to ask you so are most of your downloads for your podcast are most of them for like the bs episodes um like no i think i think it's about even throughout why i was gonna say because you said the uh the the times that you have guests on it's it's uh A lot, not all the time, but a lot of the guest episodes do get like less views or the downloads, even if they they do get good downloads, it takes a while. It's not like immediate. Hmm. So I don't know if it's just because it's a name that they don't, don't, I don't know if it's a name they don't know. So they're just like, yeah, I'm not interested in listening to that or what, because a lot of times we, I've been having crime writers on. So I'm like, Hey, talking crime with so-and-so. And it's just like, people usually those are my favorite episodes because they're like when nicholas obergon's on my podcast i love him on there because he just goes on about all kinds of cool shit and he's actually a very successful writer at least you know compared to us you know he has a bunch of books through penguin and stuff now but he uh 
like his episodes, uh, they don't get any more downloads than my normal episodes, and it's sometimes less. So I'm like, damn it. It's like, I don't know what people want because I've had some people to actually email me and specifically say that they like that we don't do interviews because they don't like a lot of writing podcasts because it's just always about the guest. And it's, yeah. they always just have these guests on. They're always talking to guests. I'm like, I can kind of get that, but a lot of writing podcasts that do that, it's because that's what the podcast is. So I don't know what you want. They yeah. like that my podcast, we just talk. Right. I I get both sides of that. Cause I, I like listening to you guys just shoot the shit. Cause it's, it's just, sometimes you have to change it up. We can only talk yeah. so much about the same shit. Right. But then if you think about it, like, if you're talking about writing, you're talking about something someone else wrote. And if you have an opportunity to interview someone that wrote something, that's yeah. the whole point of writing. So, like, you and get, I like getting different viewpoints as right. well. Because, you know, like we said about our limited view on these literary journals if i get this editor on we can actually get a broader view on something that we're not that knowledgeable about so i want to do that yeah and your point about how difficult it is to submit to these things it's like especially for you writing fiction because they expect editors expect you to write or to read some of the stuff that they publish before you submit that's physically yeah. impossible and no one has the time for that like I, no, if you're submitting to 100 journals in a year just to hit your rejection goal, which you're probably submitting more, but just say you submit 100, that's 100 journals you have to read stories from? That's yeah, a lot. Yeah, a whole story. Like, it, it, takes me, it feels like it takes me long enough to read, because I can't tell you how many times I open a journal to submit to, and first of all, you have to check a number of things before you even get into it. First thing I always check is, are they open? And sometimes yeah. I forget to look at that, because I'll, like, find a site that says they're open, and then I just assume they are. So I start. But they're actually closed. Yeah. Right. So I start reading their stuff and I'm like, okay, this is a good fit. This is a good fit. And then I uh, go to submit and they're closed. But yeah, so there's, there's this process to submitting and then you got to fill all your stuff out. But if you have to read every single journal that you're submitting to, reading a poem alone takes me like a, a minute or two to see if like, like, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not just reading one. I'm reading a few to see if they, they write, they publish stuff like what I write. So, well, that always puts me in the weird headspace too of, do I want to read the work that they publish to see what they like and then write something that is similar? I don't want to write a story that's like everything else that's in there because it doesn't mm -hmm. stand out. I want to write my stories. So I just focus on writing the stories I want to tell. And if they like them and want them good, if not, then I'll send them elsewhere. But I, I'm sure you haven't come across this too much yet because you submit poetry more than anything else. When you submit a lot of fiction to places, it's really annoying because for some reason there's no uniform set for how you submit fiction. So I've had the same story I've had to download 10 different times with different formatting and different some of them want the email and your name and, you know, all the stuff on the left heading. Some of them don't want headings or names or titles or anything at all. They want it blank. Others want this big cover letter along with the cover letter letter that goes into submittable. It's like, why? I the, the ones that annoy me the most, which sucks because I find the genre magazines actually give you personal responses a lot more. And also those are actually paying magazines for the most part. But they want you to read their whole style uh, guide. Like, they, they get to download their style guide and then copy that when you submit your... And if you don't copy it exactly how they have it, reject it immediately. <laughs> so that's like... Uh, it takes so long to do that, yeah. especially when you have the same story. So I have so many files on my, phone, on my uh, computer. I just downloaded the same story with, like, you know, 
Caleb Story 1, Caleb Story 2, Caleb Story Dark Magazine submission, Caleb Story Allegory submission. Like, you always have to differentiate them because they all go in different places, so they're all formatted differently. It's really annoying. God. Yeah, I mean, that happens when you're submitting poetry, but uh, it's not to- it's not so bad. I don't really, I've never run across the thing where they want you to write a cover letter in addition to the cover letter, like, in the in the, uh, in the the submittable thing or anything like that. And I that always drives have the same, me exact, nuts. I always have the same exact cover letter. I hate it so much. It, it drives me nuts. It's pointless. I don't understand why. It's just like when you fill out an app, job application and then they want you to fill out a resume with the same information. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's like, why are we doing this? It's wasting everybody's time and you probably yeah. don't read any of it. Yeah, you probably I, don't read a goddamn thing. Because I can't imagine. They, they always end up with a slush pile anyway. Why do they want more to read? Uh, I don't know. The only thing I could think of is maybe they just read the cover letter to see how you write your cover letter and they're like, oh, this person can't write for shit. I'm not even going to read their story. That's the only thing I could think of, which seems unethical with somebody spending money. I always say, if you spend money to submit, you better fucking read the submission if you're, like, you know, on the editing staff or something. That's not right if you're on staff and nobody's going to read the story because, you know, our slush pile is too big, but you spent money. That's why the New Yorker doesn't cost anything to submit to because they know they're not going to get to your work. They're not going to be assholes and make you pay a fee to submit to them. Speaking of which, I'm still in received status for them uh, i got one like rejection months, and one stone received for the new yorker yeah stories are separate poetry goes on submittable stories uh, go by email so you got so, your story rejected yeah like a, hmm. probably after like six months or something yeah, okay yeah i'm on very like standard rejection no, they didn't read it like but at least they had the kindness to reject it i know we're like 10 or 15 minutes into this guys but um we're going to get there. We're going to get to the beginning of this show. But yeah, real quick, we probably got <laughs> real quick though, but I I actually enjoyed listening to your I got two things. I enjoyed listening to that that the your episode with I forget his name already, but the last guy you had on, James Michaels. Yeah, and I thought it was funny because you ended up talking about how he takes breaks with video games all the time. It's yeah, I was very very interested in that approach of he would play a video game as a reward for his writing, yeah. but he would also take breaks in between writing to play video games, not just as a reward, but because he just felt like his brain, just the way his brain is personally wired, he can't just focus on the thing, you know, for a very long stretch of time. But he says he goes by writing goal. So as long as he hits a date, which I uh, adopted myself, if I'm hitting my daily writing goal, it doesn't matter how long it takes as long as it's done within the day. Yeah. So whether that be, you know, a page goal and a word count goal, a chapter goal, whatever it is, as long as you hit your writing goal for the day, you can do all the fucking around you want. Uh, the most important thing is just getting that done. I wonder if you'd have any more to say about about video games and in regards to his writing besides just like taking a breather, like if they inspire him or anything. I know personally, I feel like they don't do anything for me, like to inspire me. I feel like they... Uh, inhibit me if anything <laughs> it depends on the game like when i've been playing fear and hunger that's been inspiring me a lot to do like it's oh, coming really? up with all kinds of different ideas for yeah. shit that i'm not even writing at the moment but i've been you know i was talking about wanting to do like an art book or uh just different things along those lines with like a more fantasy horror setting and things like that so that's inspired me a lot of games don't but mm-hmm. it depends like i said it depends what you're playing rpgs are better for that i think than most genres of game yeah, and we have been mostly playing stuff we already know, with the exception of Oxenfree, I think. 
Yeah, and it's also hard to get inspired from old retro games because there's not a lot to... Right. I mean, it's just mainly for fun factor. It's not like modern games where there's all this lore stuff. Right, yeah. But in terms of our uh, our, our writing, we have gotten some uh, acceptances recently. And I think I'd say it's okay to talk about this because they're going to come out before this this goes on. Right. Talk about horoscope. Yeah, horoscope. Yeah, I've already. They already gave me the go ahead to announce that. I announced that oh, okay. I think a month last month. Right. Um, but yeah, we both got accepted. I got accepted originally. Actually, Spencer was the first one to get accepted because I pushed him to submit a story he had for because uh, I came across on Instagram uh, an anthology called Horoscope, and they're doing volume three and volume four. Volume three is horror. Volume four is fantasy, I believe. And what they are looking for were stories that have some basis around uh, astrological science. So, you know, if you're like a Pisces, have a story. You don't have to write it about that, but like say you wanted to write a story about a Pisces or just the name of the characters, Pisces, whatever it is. It just has to be, you know, some theme with that. And I, my buddy Spencer, I wanted to get, you know, his to submit some places finally. And... He submitted to three places. He'd been accepted to two. <laughs> it's like, you jerk. I've been submitted to fucking 69 places, and I think I got four acceptances now or five. But he uh, he is not going to be in the volume three because his was a flash fiction story, and I think it just they wanted longer works. Uh, they wanted poetry and longer stories. So he's actually going to be, which I think you got accepted to as well, as a special edition that's going to drop like next year. It's going to be... Uh, the anthologies, I think they're going to bring a bunch of stories from that into it and as well as have new stories, which would be his and I think one of your poems. And then you also got accepted, as I did, in volume three, which is I got a long story and you, I think, got a poem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they didn't call that one next year. They did, for, for my acceptance, they didn't call it a, a special edition or anything like that, but... Maybe it's not the same one then. Yeah, it might not. I be. didn't. I didn't read your contract. I just read Spencer's contract. I barely read my contract either. I just signed it yeah. and sent it back. We did get. To, we got to sign contracts, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but that comes out if this episode hasn't dropped by, or if it has dropped by, then it's August or October twentieth. Yeah. Twenty twenty three. Uh, so I'm excited about that. You guys should cool check it this out. This is the because... second time we've. This is the second time we've both been published in the same right. journal. Yeah, and you should check it out. It uh, it looks like it's like they're publishing pretty cool books of for this too like they they're hardcover right yeah and for this uh speci- well, not the specific issue but for this anthology and going forward they actually started a small publishing press now it's called january embers publishing so now it's actually volume three is the first one that's going to be under this imprint so it's actually going to be a reputable imprint for you know future projects which is cool because now we can say we were actually published by a publisher not just like an independent anthology or something yeah i didn't realize that the that this volume is the first one under that under that uh imprint yeah it's brand new volume one and two i think we're just under uh i I guess just independent i don't i don't know what you would consider it Hmm. but i guess they sold so well because i actually there's a you're not on instagram so you didn't get it but uh there's a writing community on there for the horoscope folks. Like once you get published and you get invited to be in like this big group thing. So I got invited to that and they've been talking about, that's how I found out about the uh, publishing house thing they're starting and stuff. But yeah, there, there's a whole subcategory of people who are just putting out these really cool works. And I'm like, I still, I want to start to submit to those and uh, I'll give shout, uh, Spencer a shout out too. Cause he had a long story that we had on uh 
when I had the DPW site up a long time ago, it was on there. And since I shut the site down, we've just had nowhere for those stories to go. It's a football horror anthology. And this one's done for charity. And like the proceeds are just going to go to charity. I was like, yeah, that's a cool one, Spencer. And you happen to have a football murder related story, which is very specific. And that's what they're asking for. So su- submit that. And he waited like a, two, three months, but they accepted it. So he's, he's going to be in that too, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Spencer and is also, Caleb's co-host on DPW, by the way, if nobody understood that by now. I would assume by now they listen to my podcast. If not, what are you doing? What am I doing all this for? Honestly, if you're not going to have every Tuesday. Every Tuesday morning. Um, just one more thing. Spencer, um, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. Damn, that's been happening to me a lot lately. I think I'm getting Alzheimer's. I'm a little worried. I think I've had it for a long time. Some Just a touch of the dementia, because that happened to me yesterday when we were recording. I forgot, like, I actually brought you up, and I was some point that you made that I really liked one point. It, I lost it. It just into the ether <laughs> immediately, and I was just gone. No, that's not important. In any case... 20 minutes into the show, welcome to Arcade Bookshop, where we talk about video games and their literary counterparts for all of you who love to play and read. I'm Bryce Yoli, and I'm here with my pal and cousin-in-law, Caleb James. Today, we're talking about the graphic novel Riverdale Volume 1 by Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. I think he also directed the show, I think. That's or- just the show producer. Every issue in here is a different writer. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. But, um... Very professional research it's, you did. <laughs> well, it, it's it's under his name. Like when you look it up, anyway. Like when you when you Google it, it just says his name. But it just as Roberto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, every, every issue is by it's it's a volume and it's like it's like eight eight issues or something. So every issue is by someone different. But I like how you've adopted the DPW. We're just gonna talk for twenty minutes before we start the show and introduce <laughs> anything I've, and let people know what they're listening to in case this is their first ever episode. I guess which wouldn't the, make sense, but you know. I guess that's the point of having the title in the in the yeah. show. Uh, you know, when you choose it, I, I would I would hope they would uh, read that. I did not plan for that to be twenty minutes long, but mm-hmm. all uh, right, because today, I don't know how much we're gonna be able to talk about this book. <laughs> Well, anyway, today we're talking about Riverdale Volume 1, and uh, after last week's episode where we discussed the Rock'em Sock'em Supernatural Trail Walking Simulator video game Oxenfree. (laughs) Oh, man, that's perfect. Trail, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just a walking simulator. (laughs) It's just a trail walking simulator. We also forgot to mention last last episode, and I got to make sure... That I stopped saying last week because we're doing this every other week. I, I keep saying that every episode, and it's it's every other week. So, last yeah. episode, we forgot to mention that Oxenfree is actually a Netflix game. Yeah, it's it's uh, Netflix has a gaming sub something or other. I don't know if it's a company or... I don't know what you call that. I forget. But, yeah, Netflix, uh, they make games, I guess. Yeah, or just makes finance a, them. Makes a little more sense why there's virtually no gameplay to it. If you think about it, mm-hmm. but so Riverdale is a graphic novel or a series of comics anyway, and I know that you are somewhat of a graphic novel fan in a way. You, yeah, I know you have like a decent shelf of that stuff. I actually uh, got about ten long boxes underneath my uh, cover yeah, thing. Jesus so. Christ! Yeah, I used to have uh, actually my big bookshelf used to just be full of graphic novels that are very good almost all of them are excellent because i don't keep the crappy ones too often i give them away i put them in those little library boxes oh yeah 
I don't want them. That's nice. That's nice of you. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. I let the kids read the awful things that I don't want. What qualities make a good graphic novel to you? I am a story first guy. Um, Some people would say the art would be more important. When it comes to graphic novels, comics, and manga, I'm going to lump those together in this regard. Um, The main thing for those is not just the story and not just the art. It's being able to tell the story with the art. So a good graphic novel can tell you a story without words and there are graphic novels that have no words there and it's just like oh how do i follow that it's done so well that you can follow not just the actions but the emotions of the characters through the art alone it's difficult to do but if you could do that you know it's a masterwork and i think the most important thing is that you could get the story and the art to collaborate in such a way that it cannot be duplicated outside of the genre. So Alan Moore is a big proponent in a comic is a comic. It's not a novel. It's not a movie. That's why he hates when people adapt his work. It's why he hated the Watchmen movie, even though it's a pretty close direct adaptation of his uh, graphic novel Watchmen. Uh, v for Vendetta. All this stuff he doesn't even, he won't accept the royalty checks from because he does not believe you're able to turn that work into something else. Like he has the novel Jerusalem. He would not want that be made into a TV show or movie. doesn't think it does it justice. I'm not strict on that. I don't mind adaptations. It's a different medium. I like to see uh, different people's creative takes on a work, but I'm not the creator. If I had a story that I really loved and somebody said, hey, we want to make a movie out of it, I'd be quite hesitant, I probably would think, because until they give me the fat check. But I would be (laughs) hesitant for them to put their own creative mark on my work. Like, I don't know if you would be okay with that, but I feel like that would be kind of crossing the line. I would want some involvement in the, the, you know, the whole process. I would definitely want some involvement at least. So Alan Moore doesn't have his name on those anywhere. Um, they will, I don't even know if they're allowed to say, you know, based on Alan Moore's watching, cause he wants nothing to do with that stuff. But like I said, his view is a graphic novel is a graphic novel that's the medium you know comics that's the medium he wrote it in that's the way the story should be told exactly because that i mean it it makes sense because you know if you're a painting a painter and you do an oil painting are you going to be happy if somebody comes along and does it in charcoal you know that's not the that's not the work that you put out that's not if it'd be fine if alan moore did the movie because then that's just his work and now it's his reimagining but if it's your original creative work and it's a graphic novel, that's the way it should be. So the way I view, you view graphic novels is that that's the way it should, like the story unfolds and it cannot work in another medium the same. So mm-hmm. you can't have a movie or TV or even a novel version because a lot of people like to novelize uh, popular comic books like Spider-Man and stuff. And while they could be good on their own, it's not going to be the same thing. So I, I do think there should be an appreciation for comics as its own genre and its own art form. I would agree. And I'm I'm really eager to get into more of more graphic novel, manga stuff, because it's always really entertaining when I actually get into something. Like I will never I'll never say this was <laughs> my favorite thing that I read, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. And especially I, I got this I got I told you about it, but I got that like uh I forget what it's called, but it's some kind of app that 
like a comicology an, maybe yeah co- something like that yeah and comicology uh, i don't know if it's still a thing but that was the big comic book app before that you could read comics on yeah it's pretty cool it's they have a lot of free stuff usually the first uh volumes of things are free on there yeah and i i got it from i got it through amazon uh but i that was fun and i could do it with uh, uh, while I was while I was donating plasma, I could read the whole thing with one hand, just tapping around on my phone. It was pretty neat. Um, by the way, I I have a lot uh because unlike Spencer, he's more into like superhero stuff. I mean, he reads pretty much any kind of graphic novels and comics and stuff. But I lean more towards things of literary merit. So if you want to borrow stuff, I would suggest coming over and looking through my things because I have some excellent works that are really really good. And uh, I think you could take a lot from them. And you might even change the way you write based on, uh, you know, picking up not a new skill set, so to speak, but a new mind state of going into how you can write literature and poems. Hmm. Like if you read the original Crow series, I think that would probably change uh, the way you look at poetry a little bit because it's a very poetic style of writing that goes into the graphic novel. And you might even pick up like a, Ooh, I really like writing poetry, but what if I could somehow uh, write it in an almost an image form? Then you'd go into those things we make fun of, like the concrete poetry or whatever, where it's like an image, but it's poems, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it would expand your mind for the better to get into some more graphic novels. Yeah, I'm into and it. If we do them I... for the show, I don't have to read them, so <laughs> that's even better for me. <laughs> uh, Yeah, well, I'm down. I do want to read my... uh collection of or my my big volume of good boy i don't know how good, good that's boy. gonna be that was a book i picked up at uh what's it called the comic con uh three rivers comic three rivers comic con it's a very interesting premise though it's john wick but instead if john wick died and the dog got revenge yeah it looks awesome it's i yeah. mean it's very cartoony i i mean i mean it's it's you know it's just yeah. as gory in a cartoony way as john wick is <laughs> uh, but it it looks hilarious, so I'm eager to get to that. And if it has, if if it's if it if it ends up being as worth it as it looks, we might bring it on the show at some point. If you want to talk about stupid comics, real quick, uh, my last book club book for the comic book club I'm in, we did because uh, we last year or the year a couple years ago we did shirtless bear fighter, which is just hilarious. Just the name alone is exactly what the comic is. And then the second volume, shirtless bear fighter two, we just did last month. And it was even more ridiculous. So if you are fans of ridiculous uh, comics or just, you know, if you like silly things, I would recommend picking those up. But we need to get to Riverdale here. We do. To, so people want Riverdale. That's what they want. They love Archie comics, but they love Riverdale more. How do you think Riverdale, the graphic novel, holds up to your graphic novel standards? Oh, terrible. But I enjoyed this. I consider this a, like we discussed in the Oxenfree episode, I am not the person this was made for. I am not the young adult graphic. This is a YA or if there's a genre below YA even, um, this is aimed probably at teenagers and early 20-somethings. I mean, this is obviously aimed at the people who like the TV show, which is a CW show, Riverdale, which is aimed at young adults and teenagers. So that is what... uh, this is based on is the TV show. It's supposed to be comics that are tell stories that go, I think, between episodes of the show, like the things that weren't aired are kind of 
I think yeah, I think this one is couple. supposed to be a. Pre- uh, I think the first volume, anyway, is supposed to be a prequel. Like a prequel. Yeah, and maybe the later volume because I think because well, you you saw some of it, right? The show. I watched. I think the first two seasons with my wife. Oh, okay, so like this one leads up to the first season, then, right? Actually, or does it overlap? It's intertwined, like I said, because oh, okay. a lot of the stuff that happened in here was how the store, the TV show goes. But yeah. it was more like this is the stuff that you didn't see. Mm. So you know, between episodes, this is what was happening with these stories. Interesting. So if you like this, you would like watching at least for the first couple seasons of the show. I think the show got really ridiculous. I mean, it's obviously a goofy teenage supernatural high school kid show, but uh, it gets uh, it gets really bad. <laughs> at least from what I remember, it just gets bad. Like just the writing's terrible. The actors obviously don't want to be involved anymore, but they're under contract, so it's just not very good. But the first couple seasons, I actually really did enjoy. I thought it was fun, and like this, I gave this a three stars on Goodreads. This is like a, I like that's my. This is not a good book, but it's not a bad book. It's a a book that if somebody liked this genre of thing, I would recommend. The reason I have this volume is because my wife liked the show, and I bought. I wanted to get her reading comics. She did not take off on that, but I got her the Riverdale volume one because I thought, hey, maybe you'll enjoy this. Do you do you rate everything on Goodreads when you finish? I sure do. Even short stories if I can. Dang. The problem is with the Goodreads reviews, unless I actually write a review, which I just don't ever have time for anymore. Um, what I usually tend to do is I just if I like it, I give it a four. Uh, if it's mediocre, I give it a three. Anything less is, you know, one or two. And then. Only if I thought it was amazing, if it's really, really good, do I give it a five star. And I just do that for my own cataloging. So I know, you know, if something's a five star and I was like, I read that five years ago. Oh, I should probably reread that because I gave it five stars. It must have been really, really phenomenal. I also, uh, my buddy Mike from my book club, he got me a shout out Mike because I'm trying to get him to listen to this when it comes out. So shout out Mike because he's a big DPW fan. Uh, He got me... I think somebody gave it to him and he didn't use it. So he gave it to me. It's like a book journal. So when you read a book, you actually, you know, write about the book and what your feelings and stuff. That's been pretty cool. I've been filling that out. I do not put the graphic novels in there unless it was like a Watchmen or something like something like this. I'm not going to waste, you know, the space. I only do actual novels and short story collections in that. Hmm, that's a cool idea. Yeah. It's I a good feel practice, like I-, I think. Yeah, there's so many books that I've read that I don't remember at all. I mean, I I said that in one of our first episodes, yeah. or yeah, one of them. I I think it helps you reflect on what you read, which, like you yeah. said, it's, sometimes you just forget, or you just. I read a lot of books really fast, and I don't remember what they're even about. That helps you kind of cement your feelings. Right. So even if you don't really remember the story, you'll remember remember how you felt about the story, which is yeah. usually most important. Yeah, that's cool. So this story, we chose it. Be mainly just because we were trying to think of a good young adult high school drama paranormal ish yeah, yeah parallel to Oxenfree and which is exactly what Oxenfree was and I I mean I don't there's probably something that that would have matched better but I honestly feel after reading this 20 minutes before 10 minutes before we aired <laughs> <laughs> that this really does to me like if you didn't know about the Riverdale show or the Archie characters like this was your first introduction into it but you did play Oxenfree I could definitely see someone going oh this this reads like the character origins going into Oxenfree or something like this could easily be a Oxenfree style game and this was like the prologue it does do that especially because of the whole 
drowned character and yeah who's that I, I don't know the mystery behind that but i mean i don't know the answers but the Turns mis- out it's a moida yeah you, i mean I you mean, suspect I think on the show yeah. The, yeah i think on the show it was like a murder or something but yeah, yeah like, it was pretty goofy i don't remember <laughs> basically uh, i guess archie is like on the uh, by a lake somewhere and he's well, how about it. we break into the synopsis here? Give the story. Yeah, it's kind of gross, in my opinion, how this story unfolds. Yeah, it's uh, it's just not what I expected. But it basically, uh, you might be able to do it better than I can since you just read it. But I was just gonna say, basically, we get we're, we're basically just introduced to all the characters in like each issue is like a chapter introducing each character. Yeah, it's and, like their brief Riverdale origin. Right, and the. I mean, I was gonna jump right to that because that was the first thing that happened, isn't it? It was not the first, the first uh, issue where Archie is with the teacher that he's dating, and and they're at the lake, and he we open a with, we open with our protagonist Archie Andrews in Riverdale, and it's summer break, and this it was kind of creepy, but I I do want to mention something I thought was hilarious right at the beginning. There's a montage, a one page montage. So Archie, I guess all his friends are away or whatever. Teenage angst. Lots of teenage. And actually, the dialogue in here is a lot like Oxenfree. Yeah, that's um, true. Which I think a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was last episode, I'm not sure. But I remember complaining or ranting about how I hate characters that come off as, like, smart beyond their years and this kind of stuff. Like, oh, in this yeah. book, they mentioned, like, 120 days of Sodom and oh, yeah. the way they talk, because that's how they talk on the show. And it's like, teenagers don't speak like that. It sounds right. dumb. And remember, I, was, I think it might have been Oxenfree because I said, that's not how teenagers speak. That stuff drives me nuts. Well, I was actually referring to the show Riverdale mainly because they, <laughs> they always do that. And they did it in the book. But it's hilarious because at the beginning of this, Archie takes a job. It's on the very second page. He works for his dad's construction company, and he starts off as a skinny beanpole, right? He's real skinny. And then as a mini, I wish we had a video so I could show this. There, it's a mini montage on one page of him lifting rocks and moving rocks. And then he, the last uh, image, he's very, very ripped. He's shirtless, <laughs> super ripped, and a whole bunch of young girls are admiring him from a distance while he drinks a, 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 like a glass jar of milk. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, because I don't know if you noticed, it has a cow on it. So he's just drinking milk in the hot sun shirtless, and it's super sexy. Um, I don't think, I, I think I, I read through this so quickly that I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even, I didn't realize he like got muscular all of a sudden. Since I knew we might not have a lot of substance to talk about, I actually took my time a little more and studied the images. Uh, I found some cool things with that I'm going to bring up in a minute. Um, cool from an artistic standpoint anyway, but... Yeah, what ends up happening is, and I thought this was kind of icky, so him and Betty, I think, are dating or they're on a break or they're really close. She goes to L.A. on an internship, uh, and I think it's even mentioned, as every young youth in society does, they go on these internships, they okay. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, long story short, he's shacking up with his uh, music teacher, and it's gross. I think that, like what? Why is that allowed in the comic? Like, is, yeah. that's gross, right? Isn't that like grooming or something? Like, I mean, his, his music teacher's pretty hot, but <laughs> yeah, he ends up. Uh, they go. She always picks him up, and then they go to a lake, and they're they're making it. I don't know what they're making, but they're making it. And then there's a, a boom, and they're way too shocked. By the way, like their faces are just like, oh my! God. I mean, maybe they were just reaching some kind of climax on their own, and then the shot came <laughs> off and scared them. But they're both like extremely terrified 
of this blam that they hear. And then they just, they just break up like, oh, we can never speak. We can't. You know, I'm never giving you rides. We can't forget everything. Don't say anything. And then Archie's like, oh, OK. And it's just like really goofy because that's not how those kind of relationships unfold. But th- th- that's fixed. And then his arc at the beginning, his little origin ends with Betty coming back and then they're just hugging. And I'm like, ew, you cheating scumbag. Ew. But then we go into Ed, uh, Betty's origin where she does the same thing pretty much. But she breaks like she doesn't go out with the guy, but she, he does smooch her against her will. Uh, but then she feels bad because she's the prudish one. And yeah, it's uh. and then I don't know what the interaction is in the show, but they don't even Archie and Betty don't even interact the whole rest of the volume. Right. I don't think so, but in the show, from what I recollect, I think Archie and Betty either were dating or were on the outs, but they used to date, so they stayed really good friends, and it's Jughead and Betty and Archie and Veronica, they're all bumping their uglies, so I don't, I didn't get that in this, but, um, but we get it, like you said, we get every character's origin, so there's a scene in the Archie's thing where him and Jughead have been distant. And then Jughead asked him to go uh, out 4th of July to watch fireworks, which is what two guys do. And then, <laughs> uh, like, a road trip to watch fireworks. Um, Jughead's very much uh, brooding. Oh, he has the worst line ever I want to get to, by the way. But he's brooding and all this shit. And then he's because he's a writer and whatever, but he doesn't write anything. And then and this is written just like the show is, by the way. So if you want shitty writing at times, that's how the show is. Uh, yes. But then... Archie blows him off to go bang the teacher on the lake. And then now they're on the outs a little bit. And then the second, I think, volume, it's either Betty or Jughead. I don't remember. But like Betty gets her thing where she's uh, out in uh, L.A. And it's almost meaningless other than her teach Her sister is the kid who dies named Jason Blossom. He drowned and it upsets the whole town. And Betty's sister is the one who was dating him. So she has to go to an asylum or something. Uh, it sounds ridiculous, but I think that's in the show as well. Um, and then Cheryl Blossom and the guy's sister who saw this happen, she goes crazy and she's a mean bitch. That happens in the show as well. Then we get Jughead, who's supposed to be the most interesting character, but he's just like this brooding jerk, and he's mad at Archie for blowing him off, but then he still covers for Archie because of bro code. And then like they're trying maybe mending their friendship, and uh, Archie is like becomes the cool football guy and Jughead is the loner and it does they even have an issue that I thought was very funny it was like a breakfast club issue um because there's like a food fight and they all play the exact same roles pretty much like one's the brain one's the rich girl one's the prudish one one's the athlete uh we're not touching any original you know tropes here but like I said it's a fun story like you get Veronica is it her name Veronica yeah Ronnie yeah her character, uh, she's super rich. Her dad gets arrested for embezzlement. She loses everything, moves to Riverdale. And then, for no reason, unless you watch the show, she's just immediately best friends with Betty. It's not shown how that happens. And then there's, like, some... Uh, the last issue in here is actually just from the Archie comics, so you don't have to read that one. But uh, there was a couple interesting things I don't know if you noticed. The main one for me is... Did you realize the art style reflects the character who is the, the issues about? So if you have the first issue, if you notice, Archie's really good looking and buff throughout this issue. Jughead looks like a fucking goon. Like Jughead is like really goony. He has these goofy faces. He's like just stupid. The teacher is smoking hot. 
Um, I think there's a recollection of Betty, and she might be smoking hot as well. Um, and if you go to Jughead's issue, Archie is a beanpole again. He's not a super handsome, oh. but Jughead's handsome. So like every like the characters, it, it shows through the art them how they viewed the events. So obviously Jughead's not going to see Archie as this Adonis like Archie would see himself. So he's just seeing Archie as probably Archie normally looks, and then he sees himself a little cooler. And then I think everyone's like that. Like however the characters view themselves and everyone else is reflected in the art, which that's a kind of a cool touch I think for something so basic as uh, Riverdale. Right, something that could easily be just a throwaway graphic novel. That, I mean, just that any any little kid would pick up and enjoy no matter what. That's I, yeah, will, I didn't notice I that say, at all. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But I will say in some of the issues here, because once you get to like just some random stories that go on, uh, I found all the characters were hideous. <laughs> like, like their faces <laughs> were just ew. like I don't know if you could see this, but like Betty's and Cheryl's face on this is like. Oh like, yeah, it <laughs> it's like ew. Like I, I don't want to get that one, but uh, it it just it gets ridiculous teenage shenanigans, but it's pretty funny. Like I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it was. Like Oxenfree, I was really hesitant to read this because I just didn't want to. But like I would not follow up reading more of this, but I could see somebody reading the second volume. Yeah, and there's like a decent number of those, aren't there? I'm like sure there are now. Or, or something like that. Well, if you got a free one on Comicology, that means there's a bunch of volumes that you have to buy. Like, that's how yeah. they get you. They get you to get the first one free. If you enjoy it, they uh, pick it up with a bunch more volumes that you have to pay yeah, for. Yeah, I think I saw a box set on Amazon, mm. but I wouldn't get it. But, I mean, it. I did enjoy it, though, for what it was. I, my biggest thing is that uh, I feel like even a volume of, I mean, what, do you know if this was published as originally as a volume or if it was I would imagine as, it was in issues. Okay. I'm pretty sure because it, it only collects issues one to three of the story and then it has like a one shot and yeah. maybe some, ra- I think, random issues. Yeah, because my, my only thing was that I I just assumed in my inexperience of this kind of thing, I assumed that it would be like a full story arc. From beginning to end, even if it if even if you know, I I realize that the story goes on forever, but I thought it would be a full story arc, and really, it's just a bunch of introductions to the characters. And yeah, I if like, I knew well, that, shoot. I would have probably had us do both volumes. If I knew it was just a yeah, do you have both? Book. No, because Mindy never <laughs> read the rest of it. She didn't want. She didn't care for it. But it is cool to read like an Archie comic like that. I mean, I realize the show is probably better, but. I've I've read I think I read like one issue of Archie before like when I was in like middle school or something, and it's mm-hmm. kind of so it's funny to read like a risque Archie, and uh, with like real drama and like Veronica's dad going to prison for shit like that, and like the death show, and stuff. That where the show fell off, and I'm sure the comic probably goes the similar route. Is it goes from a real not a realistic, but like what happens in the show. With like the arrest and murder and stuff, it's almost just like a fun, uh, kind of crime thing. It, it's like sort of realistic, like in that universe. You're like, okay, this stuff's happening, but then it just goes like weird paranormal or something, and it adds like elements that didn't fit with the original first couple seasons. And it's like, okay, now it's just getting stupid. Like, what do we got? Ghosts and shit now. Like, so you, you, basically, it's like they changed genres. I think it was the main problem. 
Yeah, I was wondering about that because I always thought Riverdale, like I knew Riverdale was like a dark Archie. I didn't really know exactly what it was. So I, I assumed, I, I mean, I had the impression that it was about, you know, like, I don't know, like murder and ghosts and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So the first issue, I, th- I sort of thought it would lead into something like that. But so it, in the show, it doesn't do it doesn't do that for quite a while. Not that I remember. Mm. Um, the main problem with the show, and it's reflected perfectly in here, is the writing is not it's not how like teenagers would speak or act. Yeah. So here's Jughead, just a random line. I actually like working at the drive-in. It allows me to be a brooding, introspective loner. Fucking kids don't say shit like that. Like, right? Like, but it's like full of stuff like that. Like when Cheryl, uh, I think it's Cheryl. At one point, she says something about. She finds uh, Betty reading a raunchy book, like a Fifty Shades of Grey style book. And she, you know, gives the line about, oh, we thought the Cooper family were, you know, all prudes or whatever. But actually, they're over here reading 120 Days of Sodom. It's like, no, you don't know that. I'm sorry. I didn't know that when I was in high school. I never heard of that. And there was a movie out, I think, when I was in high school about that. I still didn't know the name of that book. Like, you're not referencing books from like the 17, 1800s. I'm sorry. Like, I hate that shit. It drives me nuts. It's like, why are you? And they do that all the time. Like, even in here, like, there's a part where uh, Jughead's writing on his computer and he doesn't can't think of anything to write. He starts with, it's a dark and stormy night, erases it, and then just writes from uh, The Shining, which is over 30 years ago, you know, all work and no play makes Jack a doll boy. Are you really writing that? Is that what a teenager that's maybe 15, 16 years old nowadays would write? No, because they don't know that probably. And if even if they watched it, they're not that's not their references like they're referencing memes and shit they're not referencing that right like all the references are made by people my age and older so you could tell the people that wrote this aren't teenagers which is <laughs> understandable but at the same time it's like you know your audience isn't going to get this like there's no way your audience is going to get the 120 days of sodom line like they don't know what that is i thought that was and you want them looking that up like ew. right yeah exactly i thought it was funny though because you just got that like um, like two months ago Mm-hmm. And I never even heard of it until you exactly. got it. Like, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I'm 29. You're 30. So I don't know how long you've known about it, but I yeah, weird reference for a teenager. But this thing's full of those kinds of weird references, and the yeah. show's even worse. They're constantly referencing these smarty like you people don't know this shit. You're not all Harvard educated. Like you don't know this. You're not studying this. <laughs> Jughead's the worst though. In the show, he's he's literally made to be. You can actually go. Everyone, whether you're a fan of Riverdale or not. Just go on YouTube and type in Riverdale cringe and a bunch of compilations come up of all these terrible lines of how they speak. They don't like people don't speak like that. Like, it's just so bad. And not even the you know references aside, just the way they actually interact. It's just. No, nobody has the perfect witty comeback all the time. And they you're not saying these stupid lines like the brooding introspective loner and the like shit like that. Nobody talks like that. Like Nobody says that stuff stupid yeah and it makes me think of any other show that's on like cw or you know shows like that for uh for teenagers uh and it's like my feeling is why do they have to exist (laughs) yeah like like high school already feels big when you're in it like you at that age you already feel like everything is a huge deal that you're super important and uh, people, you know, your teachers are filling your head with shit. <laughs> and like, yeah. you're, you're getting the idea that 
everything falls on you. Like you have to figure figure things out. And if you don't, something catastrophic is going to happen. It's like we don't need TV shows to make high school kids feel even more important than the delusions of grandeur that they're naturally having <laughs> just, exactly. just by growing up. I, <laughs> exactly. I don't. So it like blows my mind every time something like this comes up. And if they're watching, if they're watching a, an illustration of what high school is in in the, in a show like this, then they start acting that way, and then it screws oh. everything up. It screws up the whole natural progression of like life. Like, it, <laughs> like <laughs> let me they, ask you this, Bryce. When they start acting like, like they they just start acting like that, and then other people have to react to it. They're like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then it it, it just you know the whole. Like I said, it just s up with the whole um, natural human. You know, nobody knows how to be a real person anymore because of things like this. I said, so, I I remember. I think I wrote like an essay about this before in college, something like that. Anyway, go on. Well, let me ask you this: If you saw two high school girls arguing, and this these are the lines you heard, how would you feel? I knew your sister was freaky deaky, but this takes the cake. Thank God they locked her away in that home for the sexually perverted. You Coopers may try to present this wholesome leave-it-to-beaver shtick to the world, but behind that red door, it's 120 days of Sodom, isn't it? <laughs> the leave-it-to-beaver reference is already fucking 60 years outdated. <laughs> like, they're not saying yeah. that. Like, I just, no one, no one says things like, it's not what high school kids sound like. Like, I think a good representation uh, and it's still kind of far-fetched. It still goes along with what you're saying, but it's at least slightly, it's better than this, would be like the perks of being a wallflower. At least the characters, even though they're too smart for that age group and they don't speak the way people do, uh, especially from Pittsburgh, but at least that sh that movie uh, does the angst and stuff somewhat justice. It doesn't sound forced and ridiculous. But this, a lot of the writing is just very... If you're an adult, yeah, you might understand it. But if you're a teenager who this is made for, I don't think you're following a lot of the lines. You're not getting the references, and you're not, like, your friends don't talk like that. Like, adults don't talk like that. Like, I don't know. Maybe people that are uh, academics, maybe they speak like that, but that's about it. Yeah, it's easy to enjoy, but, because it's not hard to read or anything, but there's no way that like you, you, you have said, a it makes, like... Yeah, like... like it, well, it just... It, Go ahead. <laughs> There's no way you have a direct connection to these things they're saying. Like, you might understand it. You might know what they're talking about, but it's not of your world if you're reading it as a teenager. No, and it just makes this false perspective for teenagers, like you said, of this is what we're supposed to act like. This is what how we're supposed to talk. And you see that with, like, the TikTok shit. How like how many teenagers now are like just carbon copies of each other because mm -hmm. they just go off of trends like the stupid broccoli. I mean, we've always had, I'm talking about the broccoli headed haircut they get. <laughs> we've always had like the trends in mainstream, like, you know, in the 80s, everyone had big hair. 90s, people were grungy. And like we've always had like the fashion and the, the slang and like stuff like that. But now it's like every joke people say, like all their jokes are the same. Um, they. Where does one person end and the other one begin? It's My very hard to decide. My favorite thing are the the TikTok videos, um, or I don't probably on other things too, but because I'm not on any of that shit. But 
the videos where people just lip sync some someone saying something and I don't even yeah. know who the person is they're lip syncing it's not familiar at all to me it's not funny and they're just like I don't even why do you want to just lip sync a statement that someone else said no original thought no original yeah. jokes no original content and they wonder why AI is taking over yeah, <laughs> like, <honestly>. because you <laughs> folks keep just repeating the same shit everyone else is doing but those lip sync trends don't make any sense to me. Like, why Why would you even watch it? Like, I, that's what I don't get. It's like, who's watching that? Who's enjoying that? How's that content? You're not even the person who originally said the thing that might Usually it's not even funny in itself, or often it's from an old movie or something I see, and you're just repeating it. Not even in like, okay, you're lip syncing it, but it's also because you're in a weird event or something, and it makes it, you know, ironic or something like no, you're just like, I would understand it's like, oh, you're at a wedding and you're the only one wearing a weird blue suit and you take a video of you lip syncing something from Dumb and Dumber. Okay, I can at least kind of see there's a joke trying to be made there, but it's not even that. It's people in their bedroom just saying shit that's been said. Not even saying shit, just pretending to say it. Right. Old man rants at clouds. That's, <laughs> that's, that's us right now. Old man <laughs> raining at clouds. Do you think at all that I mean, the fact that, I, I mean, I know it's made for teenagers and stuff, but the fact that it's so obviously terrible, like, <laughs> with what they, the, like, the lines they say and how cringy it is, do you think at all that they, that it's on purpose, that it's supposed to be like a, like a dark, serious joke? I think originally the writers just thought it was clever and witty and made their, work come off as original or unique uh, then once it started getting made fun of really hard on youtube and stuff like i said with the cringe videos i think they leaned into it and said yo you want a bad show we'll give you a bad show <laughs> like i said there's videos of like the actors clearly not enjoying that they're on this show anymore like they do press junkets and they're like fuck i hit why did i sign such a long contract this is mm. terrible and then if they feel like that, how do you think the writers feel? The writers are probably in the same thing. Let's just, you know what? We want this to get canceled, so we're going to write the <laughs> worst lines we can get passed off. And if people fucking publish this and make, a, you know, the TV show with these lines, then it's going to get canceled. We don't have to do this anymore. Or they'll just keep making it for no reason just to spite us, and then you just have this weird circle jerk of everyone hating everything they're doing, and nobody watches the show. <laughs> I, I'm just like... By reading this comic, I could see it going, because it's the same showrunner that's doing the comics, I could see it going down that same avenue. I wouldn't imagine this is an ongoing title now. I'd be, I don't know if the show's even on anymore, but uh, how many better things are there out there? Why waste time on this, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it's a niche thing. Like I said, if you have like a teenager who you're trying to introduce to comics or something, yeah, I could see them getting this. Or if they like the show or vice versa, they like the comic, then they might want to watch the show. I can see how that works, but it's a very limited uh, age range, I think, that would actually appreciate this stuff. At least I hope it would be. Right. If there's like 30-something-year-olds just loving Riverdale, I'm like, yeah. It does that, seem lu just you. ludicrous, even after. I mean, it's not. it wasn't the most unenjoyable thing in the world to read, but 
It, it's it, like watching videos of people getting hit in the nuts. Like it's yeah, you can enjoy that, <laughs> but it's not substance. Like it's not gonna make your life enriched. It's just it's just funny because it's, just it's like, fun to see. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's like they turned a Bazooka Joe gum wrapper into a detective murder mystery. <laughs> that was kind of interesting. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't know, but I got nothing else to say about this book. <laughs> I'm surprised we've went this long. I am too. Do you have anything it's else? Have episodes, I, I mean, it's good to have episodes like this, though, when we cover like bigger works. Those, right? Like, these probably are a good palate cleanser for people. I would, I would hope. Yeah, like I was gonna dig into other things. There, there are, there are aspects of this. I'm sure it's more relevant in the beginning of the, of the story, um, whether in the book or the show. But if you want to like pick apart the characters that and 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 their cultural relevance and stuff like that, they do touch on things that are like pertinent to like modern um modern teenage life i guess just exaggerated like, yeah like the that like isolation and frustration that archie goes through working for his dad stuck in town uh his girl his girlfriend leaves for leaves for an internship well the biggest like an- folly of the show and i can see that probably unfolding with this as well is that they do touch on like important issues or things that should be super important. Like this one has a drowning, and then at the end it says it's a murder. Uh, in the show, I think it's just a straight murder, and they have to unsolve the you know solve the mystery and stuff. You have these deep issues. The girl, you know, Veronica's dad goes to jail, and her family's completely uprooted. Uh, you know, Archie is banging a teacher. That's actually a big deal. Like, right. ooh, go to jail. That's actually made more in, into more of a deal in the show, I believe. But they have all these things, and what is the focus on most of these stories, though? Archie on the football team, you know, <laughs> Betty and Veronica trying to be cheerleaders, uh, Jughead working at a fucking movie, uh, driving movie theater. It's like, so why do we have these big deep issues, but we're always focusing on this subsurface bullshit that teenagers do actually care about, but they shouldn't care about. Like, I'm sorry, if my brother was like murdered, I wouldn't give a fuck about cheerleading. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make sense, you know? Like, that's not where my mind would go. I wouldn't be worried about school stuff, but in this, they are. You want to watch a show that are, um, okay, here's a good movie that uh, you might have seen, I'm sure, that Shia LaBeouf movie uh, was based on that Jimmy Stewart movie where he's holed up in his house and he's seen his crazy murder neighbor, uh, Disturbia. Oh, yeah. That's a story. The kid, he gets in a car accident at the beginning with his dad. His dad dies in front of him. Very traumatic. Yeah. Uh, is he focused on school? No, his life's falling apart. He doesn't give a shit about school. He doesn't even care about his home life. And then this murder unfolds next door. Or so he thinks. So he's investigating that from his limited, because he's on house arrest. He can't leave his house. And, it's a really interesting story because the way it unfolds is like, yeah, that's what the kid would care about. He would care about something that's super important and he's not going to care about these surface level bullshit like school and homework and dumb stuff. But this Archie shit really always focuses on, Oh, I want to make the football team. Who gives a fuck? Like you just were banging your teacher. You care about the football team. Like why (laughs) a kid died and that's what you're worried about. It doesn't make sense. Well, you know, maybe if this came around, uh, more because this. How old is this? Uh, twenty eighteen maybe. That's when it came out. This uh, does it have a publishing date? Let me look at the beginning but, but here. Like the show though, it came out first, right? Yeah. So this came out twenty seventeen. Jeez, when the the show? I'm pretty sure the, sh- the the show I think came out twenty fifteen or sixteen, probably okay. twenty sixteen. 
It's not that old. Well, I, yeah, I thought it was older than that, but I don't know. That kind of defeats my point a little bit. But I think the, the reason, if we if we do want to dig a little deeper, I think the reason they do that stuff where they focus on the football and the goofy teenage shit is because they're trying to honor or pay homage to the original Archie comics. Which that was that's one what thing it was I was going to say because you can't otherwise it's not Archie. You're just taking the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, don't think it's a good blending though. I don't think it works yeah. too well. But it's also just the difference between, like, PG-13, you know, like, uh, or at TVMA <laughs> and, uh, TVMA, yeah. and a rated R movie. And they're probably bound by that to a degree, too. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, if it was a little older, I was going to say uh, maybe if they had the opportunity to make it, like, a Hulu series or something like that, they could have gone, like, more true blood with it or something. <laughs> I'm really thankful they did it because on the CW show, they forced a lot of stuff that was, uh, it did. I mean, not even just as far as Archie didn't fit. It just did not belong in the show and the stories they're trying to tell. There were so many instances of just like making non-lesbians be lesbians. Like there's a part where Betty and Veronica are trying to get it on the cheer squad and Cheryl Blossom, you know, she's the head cheerleader or whatever. I think it's like they're supposed to do a dance or something. It wasn't steamy enough for Cheryl. So I th- I'm pretty sure they still just make out just to like make it steamy. And then they're like, oh, is that steamy enough for you? I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'm pretty <laughs> sure there's like a hot tub team where they're like almost stripping and trying to seduce somebody. And it's just like a lot of hard sexual stuff going on for a CW show that's aimed at teenagers and kids. So, and I'm not one of those guys, because I grew up watching Nightmare on Elm Street. I've seen more tits before the age of five on movies than on, <laughs> you probably should, you know. But that was, like, that stuff, I'm just like, you can't have that in this kind of, like, environment. It doesn't make sense. Like, it's gross. That's like that uh, Euphoria show. Like, it's really hardcore, but that's made for adults. And I think that's disturbing because they're supposed to be, like, high school kids doing all this raunchy shit. But this is like the same thing, just, you know, toned down enough where it could pass on TV. But I'm just like, no. And I don't like they didn't do that. Well, even they started off with the book. You started off with Archie macking on his teacher. Like they're making out and stuff. And they're like, he's like 16 or 15. <laughs> right. Like that's that stat. It opens with statutory rape. What the fuck? <laughs> like, like, I don't want to gloss over that. That's kind of like a. I wouldn't want my kid. Like, if I had a young kid today, I wouldn't want them reading about statutory rape. Yeah, like, that's seriously. okay. That's and okay it, that Archie was doing that with no consequences. And it's funny because I, I was reading the reviews about it before I got it, and it's like, oh, my kid loved this. I got they wanted to read, so I got them something to read, and they loved it. <laughs> Little uh, do they know. Yeah, let's mess it's, up. Uh, nasty. It's nasty. Again, folks, you can watch the compilations on that, too, because people have pointed out how cringy that is, too. It's like, yeah. why would they just start kissing on the, in front of a whole cheer squad just to get on the team? Like, ew. Like, it doesn't make sense. And uh, and they don't do that with the guys, though. They, they, why, won't the, why won't the guys want kiss to get on the football team? Not, oh, our tackles aren't steamy enough, and then they just start fucking butt-humping right there on the fucking field. <laughs> like, why, why can't we do that stuff? Yeah, Double why not? Standard. The double standard, because nobody Guy, wants to see that. Guys like playing with dolls. Yeah. Guys like kissing. They, guys like kissing. Well, they even had, actually had a really good line in here. I did like, it does not, again, does not fit with high school kids. No high school kids is going to get the reference. But there's a gay straight alliance uh, Veronica has during the food fight uh, oh, yeah. issue. 
and uh, I guess the guy she's with is gay, and she, they're trying to get him a date. And the one football player is macking on Veronica. He's trying to get her number. She doesn't want it. You know, doesn't want anything to do with him. So he goes over to the gay guy and is like, "Hey, I'll get you. I'll hook you up one of the hot gay studs on the football team. If and stud like what high school kids say in stud, he does say stud. I'm like, come on. <laughs> but uh, if you give me Veronica's number and the gay guy is like, oh, the fridge, and they look over to this fat guy eating like a hoagie or something and waving because that's the only gay guy on the team is this big fat guy, and he's like, oh yeah, I want to be with the fridge so he can do a." a so he could be Lenny and I could be the rabbit. And I was like, yeah, that's good. You got a Mice and Men reference in there, but kids aren't going to get that. <laughs> right, They're right. not going to understand it. And also, that's very, I mean, I'm sure the people reading this, if they're you know young, aren't going to get the sexual innuendo. But you're saying the fat guy's going to break this twink in half. Like, ew. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, you can't have that. That's You can't have that talking like that for kids stuff. And this is coming from somebody from the 90s who had a lot of sexual innuendo in our cartoons for some reason. But they were done so we didn't understand them. Right. But that's just, yeah, that's gross. Well, what do you think overall? I gave it a three. It was okay. Yeah, something like that. I would still recommend it for teenagers to read if they wanted to. Like, because teenagers, one thing we can't say about them, they're not going to think so deeply like we just did about that stuff. They're just going to gloss over all that. Like even the Archie bang and the teacher, they're probably going to gloss over that. Right. I don't even want to think that deep about it. But it's what <laughs> well, we, we read. That's our job here. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the point. It's our job here. That's why people are listening to this. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope you, I hope there's still someone out there. <laughs> uh, what do you like better, the book or the game? Oh, you fucker. Um, <laughs> the, the book. I, I, I like the book much better than the game. Really? I... God Still? damn that game. The walking. The walking simulator? No. No. I like the I like the art because at least this made me laugh once or twice. Yeah, I guess like so. The Lenny line made me laugh. I didn't laugh once during the stupid uh I got mad. <laughs> got mad a lot when I played that game. I like I, like at... I said, we, yo, I, I can't say I, I don't want to <laughs> rant about that oxen free game anymore. I liked looking at the art. I I'm disappointed that I didn't notice the things that you noticed in it, but I guess I'm just too unfamiliar with. I'm not, I'm not used to reading that stuff. So, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it was different. I, I just never, I never do graphic no- novels or comics or anything. Um, I don't know though. I think I still. Uh, I think, I think my problem is still that it was an an, an incomplete story arc. So, it wouldn't get better. Trust me. I fi- yeah, but I guess just because it wasn't a complete story and I didn't. I didn't even think twice about it not potentially not being that way. Yeah. Um, I I finished it and I was like, well, I read the first quarter of a of a of a book. We need to cover a better graphic novel at some point because I think there's a interesting discussion to be had about the art of visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like I think we could probably talk a long time about just how to tell a story visually. And because, you know, like I said, even just the the way they use perspective in this was actually interesting to me anyway. And you didn't even notice because you weren't looking for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you have so much stuff. We, we talked about reading uh, some. I think it was I don't know if you call it manga, but the, it was a Japanese thing, I think. That, that you um, out well, I 
I have a bunch of uh, literary mangas as well as literary novels. Like I have the Great Gatsby literary novel, which is uh, actually pretty good because you can see the metaphors. I mean, you don't think about that stuff when you read mm. the Great Gatsby. Very metaphor heavy. You can actually see the metaphors because it's the art is the metaphor. So yeah. it's it's pretty cool. Like in that regard, uh, the like mangas that. are interesting because you get the Japanese take on this stuff. But I haven't read all those yet. I read the H.P. Lovecraft one. Well, there was that one that you pointed out to me where it's it was like just a it's a Japanese thing, and I think it was just like a regular guy just living life. I don't. <laughs> I forget what it was called. Oh, uh, Distant Neighborhood. Well, I have a couple. Uh, not Junji Ito. I love Junji Ito. He's the one that does the, all the weird horror mangas, which I recommend you read those too. Um, Jiro Taniguchi. He passed away a few years ago, unfortunately, but he had a almost Buddhist style. Like I really like his work because when you read it, you just slow down, and a lot of times his characters are just going through their day. And, you know, there's a, there's obviously a story uh, like I think the distant neighborhoods about a guy who goes I forget how it unfolds, but he ends up going into the past when like the neighborhood he grew up in and when he's a kid and stuff. But it's just very earthy and the vibe is very chill and relaxed and the art style reflects that. And he has other works, too, that are, uh, you know, more Western audiences would enjoy, like uh, mountain climbing, Jack London style adventures and stuff. But. I really like his work because it's just like relaxing and sometimes it's good just to read something that empties your mind and just makes you appreciate the moment you're in and just like the art and the the just the simplistic style of the story. Uh, that's why I like a lot of Japanese literature when they do get into like some Buddhist philosophy and stuff because we are conditioned as Westerners to be like go, go, go all the time. And your stress level, even when you think you're not stressed, is like way up high. And you don't even realize it's just like driving to work, going shopping, uh, got to clean the house, got to do this. Like how often do you just sit and re like you probably don't even realize how much your mind is just constantly running and going and thinking about things. So I like work that can just this is the only thing I'm reading. This is the only thing my mind's on. I'm not thinking of other stuff. And I can just be like this guy, just enjoying the colors of a tree and the beautiful sky and the, you know, the the scent of honeysuckle. Like you can just enjoy life a little bit for the moment you're reading that without having to think about anything else. I'm down. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. I don't know what game we would play with that though. Yeah. Maybe uh, this is one we wouldn't e you wouldn't even have to beat actually. Um, Harvest Moon, just a simple farming game. Yeah, maybe. I don't or, know what we fucking talk about for that though. Yeah. <laughs> like, probably just more philosophy, I guess. Or, um, I mean, I'm sure there's an indie game out there that's pretty mellow like that. But oh, I'm sure also, there's uh, a also, lot of art uh, games. Isn't I know we talked about doing Pumpkin Panic, but that that was based on Stardew Val Valley. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's along the same lines as Harvest Moon, right? So good, right? That pumpkin game, I think, is like a horror version, right? Yeah. When I think Stardew Valley... But I think Star the actual Stardew Valley game is real long. Yeah. Um, But it's just like a, a horror version of uh, Harvest Moon. I played the shit out of Harvest Moon. I really liked that game because it was, again, so relaxing. Like, that's all you did was farm. Is that like the original kind of Farmville? Like, yeah. I mean, I never understood why people played those games until I played it. And I was just like, oh, yeah, this is, like, nice. 
because I'm just worried about my cr- virtual yeah. crop. I don't care about anything else. It seems stupid, but it's the peace of mind that you play for, not the actual content of the game. But yeah, something like that might be, you know, something just zen that has some story, but not much at all. Like just. Well, you remember I talked when we were at the the loft in Columbus, I brought up the uh, zen and the art of motorcycle mechanics. Yeah. Like, so I don't see why we couldn't do a game like that every once in a while and do some kind of Zen book or something, you know, to coincide with that. That'd be cool. Let us know what you guys think about that. Sounds fun to me for a change. So we're not taking everything too seriously. Like trying to, trying to find the metaphor in Riverdale. Yeah. You know what? It's not, it's not really there. Could be. You're just not digging deep enough. Hmm. I know there's some stuff there, and and it's it's relevant for teenagers, and they're gonna enjoy it and feel connected to certain things about it. But and and you know it was a, it was a good match for Oxen Free because it was basically the same thing. It's just like yeah, you know, teenagers BSing dealing with their personal issues, and it's like a coming of age. It's another coming of age tale. It's exaggerated in a way, and just like Oxen Free, it's like the whole loop thing. I feel like the time loop. It's like, because that's, that's what it feels like when you're in high school. It's like, yeah, what what am I supposed to do next? And then it's like, and then you, you think about down your entire path. And then you come back to the beginning and think down the entire other path yeah. and all that. So, and, you know, I think it's the same kind of thing in, in Riverdale. It's just, it, there's, there aren't time loops, but it's just lots of exaggeration and things that are just overdone and burned out and, you know. It's not, it's not, these aren't things that are for people like us. I enjoyed yeah. them both, but they would be more enjoyed by people of a different age. I do worry that these types of works do not, they, they lack substance and they don't have enough, uh, like they don't breed original thought. So like if you have the youth of today reading this kind of stuff, playing these kind of games, all that's, you know, the original thought and being able to think deeply on things is sacrificed in lieu of uh, entertainment. Like, oh, we're just going to have this surface level entertainment and it's almost like you're just being distracted. Like so how social media works. You're just kind of being distracted. You're not, you're not required. You're not challenged. You're not required to do anything. You're not nothing's required of you so when you get into this kind of stuff you can just shut off like you know watching boring normal tv like jerry springer back in the day you can just shut your brain off and enjoy and sometimes that's okay but i i worry that that's all entertainment is becoming now it's just entertainment like there's no message there's nothing to make you inspired uh there's no more muses there's uh, even music's like that it's just lacking something that makes you feel and I, I worry that people are just are gonna get to a point where we don't really feel things anymore and that's kind of sad well i think we are in an era of uh remixes and i th- like everything is always a remix however i think we are in another 80s decade where everything everything is just like bad and <laughs> yeah and oversaturated yeah overdone everything's extreme as hell and not too long from now something is gonna drop and 
and people. I think gonna... the pendulum is going to swing back, and we'll, we'll be in the middle again soon. Yeah, in the next ten years, and then maybe we'll start getting some uh, creative work. And it I seems like think... every time there's a decade where things are really just over the top and crappy and sucky, then we get like a creative decade. Right. I don't think we're too far away from it because, you know, we've already seen so much of that kind of stuff. Like what, whether it's just extreme violence or extreme sexuality or whatever, it's like everything always ends up coming back around. I think that's just the way it is. And it's, it's hard to see, especially nowadays in our like really fast paced world of technology and everything is time is different now, but and with that, you don't know if it's going to take longer or go faster. It might, it might, you know, I don't, I don't know how that's going to work, but I, I do feel like it's coming back around and there's going to be some kind of like renaissance of philosophy and what people think about art. And I hope so. Me too. There's always a chance that I'll be wrong. We'll Doesn't have to out. be optimistic. No. And if it wasn't clear, I like I like I think I like Docs and Free a little bit better, but they're they're both pretty about the same to me. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I know a half an hour of it was just us BSing, but BSing, yeah. <laughs> I like to talk. I had to bring up some the, points that maybe aren't in Riverdale, so like people wouldn't yeah. get from Riverdale. So hopefully they find it at least somewhat enlightening. Well, I'm just talking the first half hour. We were just talking about writing. Yeah, that's fine. That's what we do. We I like to writers. talk about writing writing at the beginning of the uh You were going back to Redneck again, writing. I know like you did last episode. They <laughs> just go, what, is there something you need to tell me? Let me Where's tell, your cowboy hat? Let me tell you, Caleb, when I get tired, I, I gotta talk. I get to talking I do declare. Like, <laughs> I get to talking like I ain't from here. Well, maybe you isn't, maybe you ain't. <laughs> uh anyway, if um Oh, what am I saying? I'm getting tired. Outro. Stay tuned for our next couple of episodes of Arcade Bookshop, everybody. And I know we historically so far have announced our next video game and book, but I'm feeling a little bit like we might reorganize things just a bit to match up certain episodes for like holidays, things like that, like Halloween and stuff. Maybe get a better couple of episodes suited for that for October. Um, like Dracula? Yeah, things like that. That might be coming up soon, so. Stay tuned. Um, everything will be posted on on the social media too, so you'll know ahead of time. And I'll probably have the, I will have the uh, future read and play list uh, set up on the show notes. So we got a lots of good more. Oh my goodness! So we've got a lot of more good stuff coming. And uh, if you're enjoying the show, be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow and watch us on Instagram at arcade underscore bookshop. If you have any game and book recommendations, you can DM us on Instagram or shoot us a message at arcadebookshop at gmail.com. We'd love to hear the recommendations. It's hard to think of this stuff sometimes. Let's not forget Caleb and his life outside of this podcast. You can also listen to me if you choose to at the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Uh, if you want, you can go to at DPW Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and the carcass that used to be Twitter, now known as X. Uh, you could also follow me at CalebJamesK.com. Since Bryce doesn't have his own website, as far as I know, uh, you can find the Horoscope publication when it comes out on there. I'll have a link on that. 
Mm. And I also have uh, another one coming out in October in Last Leaves Magazine. I think that's a small journal, but that'll be... Check that out. Is that just online? uh, I think it's online, but you can also buy it from Barnes & Noble. Oh, cool. Not in the store, I don't think, but they have it on their website. website. So look out for that. Thank you again so much for listening to the show. Please do yourself a favor, as we do. Stick a controller in one hand and your book in the other. 